Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how to make small edits in your life so you can get big results. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Tabitha Perry. Tabitha is a life coach who helps busy non-nine-to-fivers create order in their daily chaos. She helps people strategize, organize, and optimize their lives so that they can have the time to thrive personally and professionally. You can reach Tabitha at her website, Tabitha Perry as me, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Tabitha. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Oh, thank you. I am excited to learn a little bit more about you, and then I love the idea of small edits to make big results that return on investment. But let's talk about you for just a little bit. You were born and raised in Alaska, right? What what part? What was that like? Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised in Juneau, which is the capital and oddly enough, you can't drive in or out of it. So it's surrounded by a rainforest. And it was very interesting to live there. Something that um, most Alaskans understand is when you live there, the reason you can live there for so long is because you can travel and get out. So <laughs> I was able to enjoy Alaska, but also traveled a lot to kind of balance that sunlight and people and exploration. It is a beautiful part of the world. That is fantastic. And then you also worked in the criminal justice system for a long time, and yet you're this beautiful, young female. How did that go? <laughs> yes. Well, actually, it, it was kind of fun because people didn't know what to, to do with me. They didn't know how to interact. They didn't know what to expect from me. Um, but when I was able to walk into the prison and greet everyone with a smile and treat everyone with respect, it was very off-putting and also really exciting to reestablish how to create good boundaries and just have the inmates feel loved and appreciated from maybe someone that, you know, gets to dress in, you know, the outside clothes and um, isn't maybe someone that would make eye contact with them. And so just being able to get to know them, it was, it was an amazing experience. A lot of boundaries had to be created and uh, I learned where my limits were. And so it was, it was very exciting. I'm not, even though I'm from Alaska, I'm not adventurous, like physically, but I love like social adventurous moments. So going into a prison, not knowing like what to expect is, was really exciting. Wow. That is so lovely. And I love that you can walk in with a smile and treat people with respect when you don't know who they are and you don't know what they've done or even beyond. But instead of putting up the judgment of you're horrible or you're whatever, it's just, I, I'm going to treat you with love and respect and compassion. And then that turns on lights and creates whole new things. Man, if we could do that to everyone that we met, that would have magical results. Yes. Well yeah. done. And the reason that I'm even able to have that perspective is when I was growing up, so I'm an only child, but I had this friend down the street and we're basically brother and sister. Well, he, did, he made some poor choices early on in his life and I knew he was a solid guy. I loved him. He's my brother. Um, and so that just kind of allowed me to see like, oh, people make poor choices. And like I tell my girls, like sometimes you make such poor choices, you have to go to time out in prison for a little <laughs> while to give you time to think about it change your ways, and then you can be released. And so it's just, you know, an adult timeout. And really, prison is an amazing opportunity for people to get right with the Lord, get right with themselves. And a lot of times people think like, oh my gosh, like that's the end of my life. Actually, it's the beginning for many. Wow. Okay. This is some revolutionary ideas and I love it. Man, so you're not there. You could totally do prison reform if you could turn this into this amazing thing, like the way that you see things. 
but you do do coaching. So you help other people maybe to not get into the place where you're making a poor decision. So what, yes. what, what helped you make that transition? Yes. So when I um, started having babies, I decided I wanted to stay home because that's what every good Christian woman does, right? She gives up her career. She stays home with her children. And then realizing, hey, there's actually like nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to do that. And realizing that with my personality and the gifts that God had given me, I wanted to be able to use them. So instead of going to like a paid position, I just volunteered a lot. And I still volunteered in the prisons and I worked with teen moms and in pregnancy centers and really kind of dabbled in a lot of areas. Well, as I was doing that, I was spending a lot of time with my stay-at-home mom friends. And I realized a lot of their mentalities were similar to the women that I worked with in the prison of like, this is just my life. I don't know what to do. Just kind of this stuck, like not feeling like they were empowered enough. And so I realized that many of the women that weren't in prison created their own prison within them. And we are no different than the people in prison, right? Maybe some choices, there is a difference, but we can have a mindset of freedom. And so I had to go on my own journey of getting out of my own prison that I had kind of created of these expectations of what a good stay-at-home mom is, and then be able to um, help other women be able to step into who they truly were, what they wanted, and then how they wanted to get there. So it was like a long like evolution, and I still dabble in working in the prisons when they're open um, to volunteers. And it's just an amazing opportunity to meet people where they're at. And again, to help them with like the small little edits, you know, as we create more trust with ourselves and more practice and create routines and habits, it's easier to do bigger, bigger things. We have to start small. Okay. I agree with every single thing that you said. And I love this approach. Is it okay if we expand just a little bit about the idea of being stuck in a self-made prison? And you, you work on what you call non-nine to fivers. So you could call a, a, a person who is an entrepreneur and working their own crazy schedule as a non nine to fiver or someone who's, well, basically anyone who's not working nine to five, but, but stay at home moms. But to put this as, you know what, your schedule is not traditional. It is very flexible. I'm very much a non nine to fiver with, you know, working, um, on, on strange hours and strange times with a not set schedule. And I like that. It feels like a title that is not demeaning. It is inclusive and it just describes, hey, it just means I don't have the typical schedule. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about these prisons and, and what does that mean? Let's, wow. Yes. How do you get unstuck? So the prison is really just these expectations we put on ourselves that we feel like we're stuck in, this feeling of stuckness. And even people that, I found that the people that choose to work the non-nine-to-five job, they don't like to feel stuck. They want independence. They want freedom. And so really, it's just kind of this overall from like a 30,000-foot view, this perspective of freedom that we really, really want. And being able to help women, whether in prison, out of prison, the non-nine-to-fiver, the stay-at-home mom, the entrepreneur, really figure out, here's the core thing, figure out who they are and what they're working with, remember whose they are that God created them with a special purpose and then be able to create the life that they really, really want. That's unique to them. So many times we fit ourselves into these little boxes of what we think other people are doing and that we should do that. And that's not how we were 
we were formed. We were formed with our own very specific purpose. So these prisons that we've created are these, again, like unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And it doesn't feel like a prison when we step into our purpose and when we allow ourselves to really be true to who we are. Wow. And, And this is so true. And I think that probably one of the first steps to being able to open that door and step out of prison is to realize that we created it. Because I don't think most people who are feeling stuck realize that they have anything to do with that feeling of being stuck. They feel like it is the outside circumstances that are are literally bars that are keeping them stuck. And to be able to make a mental shift to say, no, actually those expectations, that feeling of stuck, that feeling that you can't progress, that you can't be free, come from inside. And that is, it's it's liberating, but it also can feel a little bit overwhelming and condemning. Like, oh, that means I am responsible for for some of these these feelings of not moving forward, of not progressing. And there are some people who would prefer to stay stuck than to accept that personal responsibility. So have you met people that are that way? I know I have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really why I switched to life coaching. I did some time where I was a counselor and I really found that working on the problem is so important, right? And a lot of times we need to work on the problem to kind of get to this baseline and then move forward. And as a life coach, being able to help people move, right? And so that's when I'm really able to ask some challenging questions with the clients, right? Of like, what are you willing to take steps in? And again, the little baby steps, because a lot of times we don't want to take steps because we enter into overwhelm and overwhelm being like, there's all these options. I don't know what to do. And our brain does that to protect us because it's like, whoa, I don't want to work harder than I have to. So helping women realize, okay, well, where you're at, and it's all a choice. Like we are given free will for a reason. And so maybe they're not ready to step outside of their prison, but at least they're aware that they're in their prison and they have the opportunity. And I always want to empower women to not feel bad about it. Don't judge yourself if you've created your own prison. Just get curious about it. When did this happen? Like what things happened in my life that I created this? Why do I think, you know, let's get specific. Let's say the stay at home mom, like the moms are always exhausted. Well, you know what? Is your five-year-old seriously standing in front of your bed saying that you can't go to sleep? You're letting your five-year-old tell you you can't go to sleep, right? And so being able to take a stand, create those boundaries of like, no, no, I'm in charge of my life. I get to tell my kids when they go to bed. I get to decide when I go to bed. And that's one of the like baseline um, strategies I work with my clients on is when they go to bed and when they wake up. It sounds so basic. We do this for our children. We encourage other people to do it, and yet we don't do it for ourselves. And when we take a little bit of control, and usually during the day, a lot of things can go awry. So the things that we can actually control and you know take responsibility of is so, so important. Wow. Okay. I love that. And it is a small and simple thing that is huge. Because in order to make that small and simple change is going to take some uh, adjustment in the way that you um, create those boundaries and create this even relationship with, wait a minute, I am the mom, I am in charge. As a, as a mom, 
man, we are a servant leader. We are technically the leader, but boy, we serve everybody constantly all the time. And to be able to recognize, no, I'm not a slave. I am a servant leader. And to be able to just, just shift just that little bit and say, no, it's okay. I get to go to bed. It's We're done. Go to bed. Wow. Wow. Okay. So go to bed and wake up. What a perfect place to start because we need sleep. <laughs> How can we function if we don't have good sleep? Yeah. And it's been really interesting. I've actually, so I'm a part of a um, coaching program called King's Council and we all wear, it's called a whoop band. And so we everyone in the group gets to see how long we each sleep and like our recovery times. And it's, it's fascinating, right? Really good, positive group think there. Um, but what I found is like, I thought I was sleeping a lot better than I was. And so I have been able to improve that by doing certain things. And this is where like my mind was blown recently, that there's a difference between self-care and then what you should be doing before bed. So for example, with self-care, I love to dance, but that kind of gets my heart rate up. That gets me excited. I'm not going to dance before I go to bed. I'm going to need to calm myself down. And so many of us just think that we can just hop in bed after a very overstimulating day, you know, on our phone, doing all of the things. We really need to be aware of what our body needs, what our mind needs, what our soul needs before we go to bed. Like there's so many little tweaks, little edits that we can make in our life to make that sleep really good for ourselves. And there's a reason why they use um, sleep deprivation as a torture device, right? Is because our body needs it. God created us to sleep. Even Jesus on this earth, he took naps. He slept. He was human. And we need to do that. And so I just really encourage women, even if they're not feeling like they want to really address maybe some of the the challenges or really move forward, if they can make some of these little edits in their life of when they wake up, when they go to bed and work on their sleep, they will feel so much more confident and they can at least make that decision confidently. Wow. Okay. So can you tell us some things that you do in your evening routine that help you have better sleep? Yes. Okay. So recently I realized, and I know there's a lot of ladies like this, that there's like a certain um, amount of time that I need to relax. And so I actually go into my room now an hour before I want to be asleep. And so I want to be asleep by 9.30. So I go into my room at 8.30. And that's when I take off all my makeup. Like I wash my face every single night. It's just something that I, I enjoy doing. And then I put a heating pad in my bed. <laughs> and so it's nice and warm, especially I'm in Minnesota and it's really cold oh. right now. It's February. And I put on some instrumental music and I put on lavender. Now I did not start out doing all of these things for my evening routine. These were things that I've kind of started just to apply one little edit at a time. It's not something I suggest to like try to do a bunch of things at once. It's just, it's been wonderful for me to be able to calm my mind. And then the last thing is I read a book and not like a self-help book. I realize that <laughs> that doesn't help because then it gets my mental checklist going of what I should and shouldn't be doing, but just a fun book to read. Then I literally close my eyes, fall asleep and wake up at five o'clock every morning. So it's very consistent. My body knows what to expect. Oh, how beautiful. That is lovely. So having, and I've heard things called sleep hygiene, where we do certain things to 
make our, our room a place that is calming and peaceful. And you did that with your music. And then you chose to read a book rather than to scroll through your phone or to watch TV or see a show. But because um, that blue light from those screens yeah. tells our brain, hey, it's daytime. It's time to get going. Doesn't It doesn't care what the clock says. The blue light says, okay, let's get moving. And then um, you, oh, just that, the lavender and that, that quieting time. That's beautiful. What a lovely yeah. thing. And I had to get to a place where I realized I deserved that, that it wasn't over the top. It wasn't too extra. That was things that I actually enjoyed. And I find that when I ask women, like, what do you really enjoy? Um, it's really hard for them to answer that. And myself included, there's been seasons where I'm like, uh, oh yeah, what, what do I enjoy? <laughs> and so it, it takes a minute to like really evaluate what you need. Um, and another couple things too is, we don't have a TV in our bedroom and we've created it to be a very serene place. And that is, we're very intentional with the space and the efficiency of how we use it. And so, um, again, these are all things that I've learned over time and don't expect people to just like make this drastic change and be able to have like such a uh, predictable evening routine and sleep routine. But man, it really benefits me and helps me, um, yeah, have a really optimized day. Wow. So when you talk about that, there's one thing that we should do to improve ourselves. Is it the sleep? Is that the one thing or is there something else that's the one thing? It's, so it's, it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's just doing what you say you're going to do. So if you want to go to bed at 10 o'clock or midnight, that is fine. Just go to bed at the time that you say that you're going to, and then allow yourself to sleep, right? So the non nine to five, or they don't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning, right? They can stay up till one or two o'clock in the morning if that's how their, you know, creativity comes out then and then sleep later. I just suggest just decide on a time and then commit to it. And then that's when you build that self-trust. If you stood your friend up every time that you said, Hey, I'm going to meet you at 10 o'clock, you know, tonight, I'm going to meet you at 11 o'clock tonight. And then you didn't, that would erode the relationship with the person. And yet we do that to ourselves all the time. And we're like, I'll just watch one more show. I know I should go to bed. I know I have this thing tomorrow, but it'll be fine. That's actually just eroding that trust with yourself of that future you that's like, hey, why did you do that? (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And it is so interesting that who we choose to follow through with really shows who we respect because we have, uh, I, most people aren't totally consistent on what they follow through. Some people, I, I try to follow through, but I'm, I'm not 100% perfect, but I see people who they can make it to school on time or to work on time, but there are other things that they're habitually late for. Like if I say I'm going to be here, I'm, I, I, if I'm not 15 minutes late, then it's, there's something wrong. Or, and if you say that you're going to do something for yourself, well, that, that commitment didn't count at all. So I feel like who we follow through with shows our respect. And when we don't respect ourselves, it says some very sad things about really the way that we value ourselves. Don't you think? I I agree. And this is where I suggest that people get curious, right? And ask women, you know, what is it about going to bed at a certain time or doing whatever it is that you said that you're going to do? 
Like, why is it okay for you to not do that? Like, why is it okay for you to put yourself on the back burner? And like you had mentioned earlier of this idea of being a slave versus a servant, right? This mentality of I have the respect. I can be a servant leader. I am not anybody's doormat, anybody's slave, but man, I want to have a heart that serves. And and we all know that we cannot pour from an empty cup. We have got to pour into ourselves. And so making those little edits in our life of following through with what we say we're going to do builds self-integrity. And so that integrity is going to fill your cup. Wow. Okay. So let's say I'm in a spot where I struggle with that. So I say I want to do it, but then I don't follow through. How do you help someone get to that place where they do have self-integrity and they do follow through with themselves? What I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do not because I'm getting a paycheck for it or I'm going to get punished for it, but because I value me. Uh The first question I would ask is, do you actually really want to do that? Just to kind of, you know, a lot of us feel very obligated to do things. So just, just check our heart. You know, is this something that we actually want to do? Then it goes back to, um, identifying the values. So with my clients, we identify what some of their core values are. And some of mine are honesty and integrity. And so if I say I'm going to go to bed or go into my room at 830 to start the process to go to bed, I don't fall through with that. I'm not living out like what I truly value. I'm not following through with that. And so I really suggest that women identify the values that they are really that drive them and how you can figure out your values is the things that really irritate you flip it around the things that you get really passionate about kind of flip it around. And that's actually something that like drives you. Right. And so, um, Once you've identified that, then you're able to kind of filter this idea of X, Y, Z that you're trying to do, right? Well, if I want to be honest with myself, or if maybe my value is adventure and following through this with this one thing is really hard, but I know that I can go do a fun adventure once once it's done, it kind of allows you to tie it back to what's important to you and gives it a bigger perspective. And so really, it's just figuring out who you are and tying it to those values. And then that helps you be able to like move through and do those hard things because it's not just the thing, like it's your like character and integrity. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a bigger, a bigger deal than what I what I say I'm going to do. And it really helps you figure out, am I saying yes to too many things? Because if your schedule and your life is just chaotic and you can barely catch your breath, like there's... There's also just being overscheduled and not following through with things because you just need to do less. Wow. Wow. Okay. That is so amazing and insightful. And I'm seeing pieces of what we've talked about before coming together as the truth is in a whole where you said most women don't know what do you want because we don't even think about what we want and figuring out who we are and what we value. I loved that the first question was, is this something that you really want to do? Or is it something that you feel obligated to do? Because again, sometimes we forget that we are, we are in charge of ourselves and we think we have to do only what is placed on us from the outside. I have an obligation because so-and-so is expecting this or so-and-so wants this done. And then we put ourselves again on the back burner, the back burner, the back burner that what we want 
it doesn't matter. In fact, it's so low on the priority. I can't even remember what it is that I want. And instead to, to restructure of let's put our time into something that matters, that it, that it has value and it has value to me because I matter. I am a piece of this equation. Again, I am not a doorman. I am not a slave. I am a person. I am a daughter of God. I matter. And making that shift, oh my goodness, that's so, so important. What a beautiful, wise place to begin. Yes. And so many women, I and I'm sure the list, some listeners are like, mm, no. <laughs> so this is, I, I need to serve my family. If I don't serve my family, who is? This sounds selfish. This sounds very self-centered. And this isn't what Jesus w- would want. Well, actually it is because we can be better mothers, better daughters of Christ, better wives, better sisters, all of the things when we can show up who God made us, right? And when my girls see me say no to things, say yes to things, they know that I'm confident enough that like I am being honest with that. How many of our kids, right? When we are lying to ourselves of the things that we like or don't like, or we don't even know what we like. Our kids see that our kids are like watching us more than they're listening to us. And they see that mom doesn't have hobbies. Mom doesn't go out with her girlfriends. Mom doesn't do anything for herself. She only does everything for me. That's going to set them up to have some very hard times in the future because they think the world revolves around them. Right now, granted, there is a wonderful way to nurture and love our children. Um, but there needs to be boundaries and guidelines. And I found that for women, just talking to them about encouraging them to own who they are, it doesn't click until you bring in your kids are watching, your husband is watching, people are watching, and being able to make it a bigger picture because women are more motivated with the we versus the me. That is so true. And to be able to recognize, and when you're talking about serving your children, I want to do it from a place of love and a place of intention rather than a place of obligation. Because there are, I mean, little ones, it's 24-7. And so to be able to to come from that place of love and intention is very important because it's easy to um, to get tired, to get worn out, to get overwhelmed, because there's no break from from being a mom. It's constant. It is, but I really suggest women take breaks. Honestly, actually tomorrow night, I'm going to go um, for one night to a hotel and just have quiet for myself that I'm an introvert. And so it's really important that I get quiet and we're in a lot of a new season of life right now. So I don't encourage women to like not be responsible for their children, but I do encourage them, go take a break. Absolutely. Go take a break if you need a break. So many times we think that we need to just push through it. Oh no, I'm a mom. I'm, I'm a wife. I just need to do this. Like, this is my obligation. Like I have to absolutely most of the time, but it's also okay to like, go away for a minute, go on a girl's trip, go ask your husband for a night away at a hotel, go lock yourself in the room for a little bit. Like that is okay. Give yourself permission to take a break. Jesus took a break. He could have healed more. He could have taught more. He waited 33 years to even start teaching, right? And so it's okay. Like, it's okay to take a break. Wow. What a beautiful example. And as you're talking about these stories of Jesus, the example of Mary and Martha, 
where, you know, there, there was a lot of work to be done. Here there are people that are visiting. There's food to prepare. There are things to be done. And Martha's working her tail off. And Mary's sitting there at Jesus's feet and listening. And Martha's response is, there's work to be done. Can you tell her to get over here and help me? And, and his response was, you know, there's a time and place about what is more important. And it doesn't mean that the other things aren't important, but it is possible to maybe simplify. I mean, maybe we can serve bread and cheese instead of trying to create this 12-course meal type of a thing, where still yeah. people are being fed, the needs are met, but it is, uh, it, it is done in a way that there's still time and space for me to matter. And I think that's what he taught in that example is you matter, she matters. You matter. Yes, absolutely. And for any of the listeners that are feeling like, do I matter? You absolutely do. And it has nothing to do with the happiness of your children or your spouse or your boss or anything like that. We have an audience of one and God loves you. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to end. Is there anything that you'd like to share before we close? I just want to encourage the listeners to... If they need a break, ask for it. It's okay to sit in silence. It's okay to to ask for those breaks. And I encourage um, the listeners to really just figure out like what their values are. Like what is it that drives you? What is it that you're passionate about? And then really just tap into what brings you joy, right? Like we, there is a lot of crazy in the world, but there's a lot of beautiful things too. So let's focus on those beautiful things and those joyful things. And like you had said, um, being able to do it from a place of love and not out of obligation. Oh, thank you, Tabitha. I have so enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, likewise. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. He said, a small change can make a big difference. Today, I invite you to make a small change in your life so that you can experience a positive difference. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This An Action Plan to Calm Fear, Anxiety, Worry, and Stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.